Amen. Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. Uh, ushers are going to come forward. Let's give out of, out of how God has given to us. It's all from God. It's all for God. Uh, if you didn't get to take communion because we flat out ran out of juice, uh, we're going to correct that during the message, and we will have communion available at the end uh, for, for us to take as a group. And uh, if you're looking at that connection card right now with 55 blanks in it, and you think, there's no way I'm filling that up before the basket gets to me, uh, you've got the rest of the service. And as you head out today, there will be some really nice people on your left with a gift for you. You made this place matter to you. You already matter to us. And so we want to show you that. So my name's Ken. I'm the campus pastor here. Uh, One of my favorite places in the world uh, dealing with missions like what we talked about and favorite places in general is a little city called Squamish, British Columbia. It's about an hour north of Vancouver. And about in 2014, we started sending mission teams there uh, to partner with the local church there. We're going again this summer. You'll hear all about it on the 22nd. Uh, But our first year there, if you've never been on a mission trip, it is controlled, gospel-driven chaos. Uh, and, and that kind of like ebbs and flows throughout the trip. Uh, typically, it's bad at the beginning, and then you get in a groove as you go. Uh, but we're there in Canada, so phones don't really work, but iMessages still do. Uh, we're getting everybody set up in their housing situation. And where we work in Squamish, right above British Columbia... Uh, it's absolutely beautiful, and one of the houses of the people in the church, uh, it's an absolute mansion. So we stick like 30 girls there, which is maybe your definition of a place you would never, ever want to be in your entire life, uh, but, but it's big enough, they can work there. Uh, so we dropped all the girls off, they're going to be there, they're going to do their thing. I go to a house to live with a bunch of guys for a few days, and I get an iMessage on my phone. Uh, open it up, it's a number I don't know, and it says, this is such and such as dad. I'm like, okay, this is bad. She's on the trip. She is 1,100 miles away from mom and dad who can take care of her and who can do stuff for her. Such and such a situation is really bad right now. She's stressed out. She's calling me crying. Can you just go fix it? I don't care what you do, but I am 1,100 miles away. I'm the dad. You're in charge. Go fix it. I'm like, all right. Dad is in charge. Dad knows what he's doing. And so I take my stuff. I go up there, like even out the whole situation. But even from 1,100 miles away, the dad is like, there is no way I'm going to let this situation fall through my hands. I'm going to make something work. One of the ways that we refer to God as Christians, or if you're not a Christian, as you've heard other people do it, is Heavenly Father. Okay, God has the same, better than that guy, perfect heart uh, of a father. You look at your earthly dad and you think maybe he's got some limitations. God is the dad with absolutely no limitations whatsoever. And one of the reasons that we love God, one of the ways that we see God at work in us and we benefit from the God who loves us is when he sees brokenness in you and me. He says, I'm going to go do something about that. I'm going to go fix that. Same attitude as the dad in Fresno texting up 1,100 miles north, go fix this situation. God says, I'm going to go fix this situation. He does that because he knows us. He knows where we're weak. He knows where we're strong. He knows where we need help. And for all of us, we need this part of God in our lives because following Jesus looks like a lot of work. All right, if you're here and you're looking at everything that Christians do and you're like, that's not my life. I can never measure up to that. Neither can we. Okay, we fail routinely. We have a plan in place to deal with our failure. It's called forgiveness through Jesus. But for us, following Jesus looks like a lot of work. That verse that we read, that's going to be the theme for, uh, for our next 11 weeks in the book of Mark. Uh, it explains that. It agrees that it's a lot of work. Mark 8, 34 to 35. I'm going to read it again because we're going to read it every week for the next 11 weeks is our theme. It says, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. That's a lot of work. 
Turn from everything that's normal to you. Turn from your basic way of doing things, the habits that you have made you, and follow me. God says, man, that's a lot of work. But when there's a lot of work, there's also a lot of good things because Jesus' presence in our life changes everything. Man, the bigger the ask, the bigger the power. God looks at us and says, I want you to change everything. I want you to follow me. Your whole life given over to me, that's gonna help you find real life. And then he doesn't say, okay, go get it. Good luck, buddy. He says, I'm gonna be there with you. Jesus' last words to his disciples before he went back uh, to be with God in heaven is it's a really good phrase if it's from Jesus. It's a really bad phrase if it's from a stalker, okay? But this is how we remember it. He looks at his people and he says, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Now, if it's some dude in a trench coat at night saying that to you, that's bad. But if it's Jesus who says that to you, we know that the bigger the ask, the bigger the difficulty, the bigger the thing, we've got a God who will be with us always. And so he challenges us to to give up everything to follow him. We look at it in the mission story, somebody who gave up 1,100 miles from security to go serve Jesus in a place that they can't pronounce and have never been to. And there's an earthly dad who acts similar to a heavenly dad to say, I'm going to go fix this situation. God does that in our life. And for all of us, the bigger the ask, the bigger the power. And the way that we see that happen in our own life is what endears our hearts to God. And so we're going to hear from Cheyenne right now how that's happened in her life and how God's made a colossal difference where she needed it. So let's give it up for Cheyenne. She's getting baptized today right after the service. If you're here, you're out of junior high and you're a follower of Jesus, our next baptism is going to be May 13th. Talk to someone, uh, talk to me after service and we'll get you locked and loaded for the 13th because that'll be your day to get baptized. I first asked Jesus into my heart when I was seven years old. I prayed with my family for Jesus to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. After this, I went through some really hard times in my life. In addition to a number of other things, my parents ended up getting a divorce. This, along with other circumstances in my life, made me feel hopeless and in a dark place. I was always told that I would never, amount, never succeed or amount to anything in life. I felt like I wasn't loved by anyone and a failure. I wanted to leave this world, and all I could think about was taking my life. At one point, I wasn't even sure if I was going to graduate from high school. However, during my junior year, through going to church, a club at school, and prayer, God opened my eyes and showed me that I was loved by him and that I shouldn't be fearful. My relationship with Jesus became more real to me, and I learned that since he is always by my side, I do not need to be afraid, and that he would get me through the hard times. I worked hard, and with his help, I graduated high school. I am currently in college, have more meaningful relationships, and feel more loved and happier than I have in a long time. Life can still be difficult, but I am getting through and have a lot more faith because of God. He has helped me be more positive, see the good in things, and have hope for the future. I am so much happier because of my growing relationship with the Lord. Now, if I hear negative comments or someone hurts me, I know to pray for them. Prayer is a big part of my life, and I'm so thankful for this connection to God. My favorite verse is Proverbs 31:25, For she is clothed with strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. 
My name is Cheyenne Alcorn, and I'm getting baptized today to show the world that I serve and live for Jesus Christ. Thank you. Yeah, the bigger the situation, the bigger the ask, the more we see God's power there in our weakness. And a lot of this starts and finishes in a daily basis in our lives through prayer. It's, it's God being in our life, God invading our life, God saying, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. And we encounter that through prayer. Prayer is the conversational part of our love relationship with God. It's proof that God hasn't left us alone. It's a reminder daily, pulling us to him. God saying, I haven't left you alone. I'm here. Let's talk. God, our gift giver. God, our empowerer. God, our forgiver. God, the one who loves our soul, says, I'm here for you. And for us, prayer is one big cycle, okay? It all starts with God. Before you pray, God decided that there's something that he wants to talk to you about, something he wants to do. And so God has a desire that starts with God. From that, God tells the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us his desire. It's God, the Spirit, who lives inside of us. He says, this is what we're going to do. Next, we listen to the Holy Spirit and we understand what God wants. This is what gets us excited about stuff. God put desires, he put things inside of us that we want to see happen. And so what he does is he says, there's something I want to see happen. I'm going to use this person to make it happen. And they're going to get excited about it because I've already wired them for that. Our excitement, our passion about things of God came from God and is originated from God. And so God uses that to do things of God. Next is, is we pray back God's desire in the name of Jesus. God started it, put the Holy Spirit inside of us to hear the things that God wants to do. We get excited about it. We pray about it. We never just have a thought. And you know what? It just entered my head. I should pray for such and such. That's never us. That's the Holy Spirit telling us, this is what you should pray for now. So we pray about God's desire in the name of Jesus, and God recognizes the prayer that starts with him, and he responds. It's how God uses us, how God involves us in his activity, in his action in the world to get stuff done, to unite us with things that he's doing. It's communication driven by God's desire for relationship with us, okay? God didn't invent prayer so that we have a lot of things to do and feel bad about our lack of doing them. God invented prayer, he created prayer because he wants a relationship with us. Prayer is the outflow of God's desire that he cares about you. And he doesn't care about the perfect version of you or the version that one day you'll be when you get all your stuff right. God cares about you now. And he wants relationship with you now through prayer. One day Jesus' disciples asked him, how should we pray? How should we do this whole thing called prayer? Because they had seen other people doing it loud and really long time out in the street corners and they're cutting themselves and they're, they're being just totally emotional and they're like, okay, we don't feel right about that. How should we actually pray? And so Jesus walks them through this step of how to pray. And we know it today as the Lord's Prayer. And what it is, is he's telling them, you can ask me about anything. If there's a part of your life, something that's going on, I want to be part of it. And so in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus talks about spiritual concerns. He talks about emotional concerns. He talks about relational concerns. He talks about physical concerns. I didn't have a word for this, so I made it up. He talks about temptational concerns. If there's something in your life that's pushing you into sin, God's saying, I want to know about it. It's not like you're getting, like God is perfect and sin is really bad. So it's not like we can't bring it to God and God's like, you're a freak, you're disgusting. Don't talk to me about that ever again. God says, no, that's a temptation for you. I told you that you can pray to me. Don't lead me into temptation. Protect me from evil. God says, you can come to me with that. 
We look at all of this as one big sign of God saying, I want relationship. If it's going on in your life or in your planet, you can talk to me about it. Because God is about relationship with us. He sent Jesus to pay for our sins for a relationship with us. Prayer is the conversational part of that. But prayer isn't just telling God what we want. It's also listening to what he wants to tell us. It's not just telling God what we want. It's also listening to what he has to say to us. We can't live dead. We can't do what we're talking about in this series about leaving behind our old life and and walking into the new life that Jesus has for us. We can't live dead apart from being people of prayer, which means that we talk and we listen. Jesus, at one point, he likes to talk about himself as a shepherd because in that day, people understood what that meant, what that looked like. He says this in John 10, verse 3. He says, he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. God speaks to us for two reasons. One is because he wants to. Right? We're, that recipro- we're the reciprocation of a relationship with God. He wants to do it, and because we need it. We need direction. We need God's thoughts in our thoughts. We need God's heart for us and through us. And God speaks to us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. He does this in three ways that we're going to look at today. The first one of those is through the Bible. God speaks through the Bible. It's the book that God wrote. It's the story of how it all began and how it will never end. It's what God uses to speak clearly to us. There are some things that he put on our heart where we're just going to know what is right and what is wrong. And there are some things that were so important to him that he says, I'm going to write this down so that they remember. We can't follow God. We can't have a relationship with God apart from the way that God reveals himself through the Bible. It's not like the Bible is just old, out of date, and we throw it away and follow God how our heart leads. No, no, no. The Bible is the picture. It's the book on how to follow God. I'm not good at cooking. Flat out, I'm, I'm not good. Some of that is just because I haven't disciplined myself to get good, uh, but Anna is amazing at it, and I like to help. She understands that, and she also knows that on the pie chart of cooking, my slice is very small. Pie is very good, and if you're hungry like me right now, pie sounds very good. But my pie slice is very small. So that means if I'm going to help, and she thinks dinner is manageable enough that I can help, she leaves very detailed instructions about how to do it. This is how long you cook. This is what the thing looks like that you're going to put on the vegetables. This is what you're going to do. This, 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 this. Very good, clear instructions because I can't cook anything. If it's a grill outside, yes, that is good. Inside, no, I'm an outside cooker. Like an outside dog, I'm not an inside cooker. If I go off of that, there's going to be disaster. There's going to be an I'm sorry look, and an I'm sorry talk, and a why did you do it that way. All these things. It's the same way with the Bible. God gives us this for a good result. He says, you follow my life this way. You follow how I want your life to look, and there's going to be peace. There's going to be a life that we look at and we're like, man, God, you've done amazing things. We go off of it and there's going to be destruction. So God speaks to us through the Bible. I encourage you today, if you don't have a Bible or if you don't have a Bible in words that you understand uh, that doesn't have thee and thy and such in it, uh, pick up a Bible on your way out today. We've got some for cheap. It's the New Living Translation, which is God's word and our words, words that we understand. It's awesome. If you don't want a paper and ink Bible, just one more thing in your backpack, in your car or whatever, download Version. all right? It's, a, it's an app that lives on your phone for free and doesn't gobble up all of your data, 
All right, uh, this is what I use when I have my Bible with me. This is what a lot of the guys in the 6 a.m. shape group on Fridays use. It's we open up our screens and we read what God has for us. Another thing I want to challenge you to do is as you head out today, there are some lavender bookmarks that have our church's Bible reading and journaling plan for the next three months on that. Instead of just guessing what am I going to read today, grab one of those and read two or three chapters a day. Put yourself in a place where God can talk to you through his word because God is going to speak through his word. He's going to speak through the Bible. Second way that God wants to speak to us is through our senses, okay? This sounds like hocus pocus if you're totally rational and stuff like me, but God created our imaginations. God created our senses, all right? And so we're going to experiment with this and everybody's going to be fine, all right? Trust me. Close your eyes even if you're a new parent because it won't last long enough for you to fall asleep, okay? I want you to count to 10 in your head. Ready, set, go. Okay, you hear the voice that counted to 10. That's the voice that God's going to use to speak to you. It's not going to be some subwoofer voice that rattles your rib cage because that's not your voice. That's the voice that God's going to use to speak to you. And he's going to do it because God loves you and he wants to speak to you. He's going to use other senses too, all right? We're going to do this again. We're going to close our eyes. This is a little bit longer, so new parents, beware. I want you to hold out your hand. You can do this physically or just in your imagination. My eyes are closed, so I don't have a clue what you're doing, all right? You've got a hamburger in your hand, okay? Can you picture the hamburger? All right, you're using your inner eyes to see the hamburger, okay? God wants to give you visions like that. You hold the hamburger, and it's a big one, and so it's got grease, and it's dripping on your hand. You feel the grease. You're using your sense uh, of touch to feel the grease, You squeeze the hamburger and the bacon and the lettuce, it starts to crumble. You hear that with your ears, it's another one of your senses. You smell it with your nose, it's another one of your senses. You can almost taste it right now, and the fact that you can't is really making you sad. And if you're a vegan, you're really, really upset, and that's God's emotions in this whole thing. Is that as you're weeping for that cow, God weeps over things too. God wants to act, okay, you can open your eyes now, okay? God wants to activate our imaginations and our emotions for those things. God wants to give us visions like you had of the hamburger. God wants to use your emotions, not in a manipulative way, but exposing you to the, thing, to the way that he cares about things. God wants to activate our imaginations in order to communicate with us. As we ask him to do that, he's going to. The third way that God speaks to us is through people. None of us should ever make any big decision in our life in a vacuum. God puts people around us to inform our decisions. Christianity, this relationship we have with Jesus is a team sport. We all individually play our own, do our own thing. We live our own life. And then God puts people around us to inform our decisions, to give us a window into what he wants to do. So as we hear things, we need to test them. We should always test what we hear. First way that we test it is through scripture. If God, if you feel like in your heart, God is telling you to do something that he says in his book is not what he wants you to do, then God's not telling you to do that because God is not gonna contradict himself. So the first way we test is we run it through scripture. The second way we test is we let it grow and we look at the fruit of it. We say, okay, if I do this, what result is this gonna have in my life? What's the finished product of this going to be? How is this going to play itself out? If that looks bad, if that looks like something that isn't going to be honoring to God, then I'll tell you again, that's not God talking to you. 
And that's not something to be ashamed about. That's not something to feel crushed about because God is not a butcher who's gonna kill us for getting things wrong. God is a shepherd who is going to lovingly lead us into the truth. And the way that he does that is by giving us ways to test what we feel like he's saying to us. We hear from God and then we test it. And we can't hear from God if we've muted him. We can't hear from God if you've muted him. And today, we're going to turn off the mute button to hear what God wants to say to us. And we're going to do that in four different ways. There are four different mute buttons that we could have at some point have turned off in our life to prevent us from hearing from God. And the first one of those mute buttons is that we are flat out not listening, okay? God is our vending machine God. We go to him because we know that he has everything. We put in our dollar worth of prayer. We hit the button and we just wait for the Pepsi to come out. That's all. You get it and you walk away. That's all that God is, is he is your source of refreshment and no speeding tickets when you see the cop behind you in life. That's all. You don't listen. You just ask, get your thing, and walk away. So we want to listen. We actually want to listen, not just ask and run, but listen. God, what do you want to say? Second mute button that we want to turn off is the mute button of not actually wanting to hear his answers. If we're afraid about what God is going to say to us, then we're not going to listen. All right, the Live the Mission banquet is coming up on the 20th, and you think, there's no way I'm going because I'm not going to let God send me to Africa. That's not going to be me. And if I go to the missions thing and see all this stuff, God's going to send me to Africa. First off, Africa is very offended that you would speak of it that way. Second way, if, if God's going to send you to Africa, you're going to be excited about it. Right? God's going to put that in you. God's going to give us a desire. And even if we step in thinking, okay, I know this is what God wants me to do, but I'm nervous about that, God's going to provide for us in the moment. He's going to take care of us in that. If we're people who are run by fear, we're going to mute God's voice for him to actually be able to speak to us. God's saying, you can trust me. You don't have to be afraid to hear my answers. Third mute button is that we want to be in control of everything. Man, we can't explain, control, and predict God. So if we say that we're only going to explain, control, and predict things if, we're, if we need to be able to do those to let things into our lives, then we're never going to be people who listen to God. God is so much bigger. His ability is so much bigger than what you and I can do by ourselves. And what God wants to do is he wants to say, I want to take all that you can do and completely destroy that because now you are with me. Prayer is the, the end of our best and the beginning of God's best. And as we listen to what God has for us, he's going to lead us into his best and lead us out of, in the best way possible, our best. He's saying you can... You can take the mute off of being in control of everything. I'm a God of order and not disorder. And so even I will lead you when you feel like you're out of control. And lastly, we're, we're living in sin and we don't want to change. We do that and we're muting God. God's not about perfection. He's about direction. Because if God only spoke through people who never sinned, God would have a lot of conversations with himself. All right. Instead, he brings Jesus into the picture to bring us back to him and says, what's your direction? If your direction is you're walking towards me, and in the midst of that, there are places where you take a side road sometimes and then come back to me, I'm going to continue speaking to you. What God's calling us out of is the idea that, man, we, we are done. We have messed up. We are living our life our own way, and we no longer want to hear from God. God's saying, don't do that. Come back to me. Let me speak to you. And so today, we're pressing in for a breakthrough. We're pressing in to hear God's voice. And for you, this could have been something that happened years ago or decades ago, and then since then life happened and stuff happened, and, and that's no longer you. But today we're coming back. Today is going to be a breakthrough day for us to hear God's voice again, for us to hear God speaking to us again. We're going to close in a couple minutes. And that's an honest couple minutes. That's not the preacher couple minutes, which means 45 minutes to 12 hours. 
And we're going to have our prayer issues on the side here because we want to listen with you for what God wants to tell you. We're going to lead you into a situation where you can say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? Because we worship a God who speaks to us. This is not a spectator sport. This is something where God wants to say, I've got a message for you today. You matter to me today. Let me speak to you. It's an outflow of God's love relationship for us and with us. And we want to take a step into that. Let's stand and pray. So Jesus, we praise you because you deserve it. We praise you because you came for us because you live in us, because you take us from where we are to make us more like you. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to ask Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, to make you into a new person from the inside of you to the outside of you, I want to give you that chance today. You are not saying you're perfect. You are agreeing with every other Jesus follower in this place that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. And so if that's you, I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, if you've never made that decision, then today's your day. And I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to walk you through what it means to ask Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. So one, God loves you. He always has. He always will. And today he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, where we push God away and say, I'm doing this my way. Jesus came to end the separation between us and God to bring us back in relationship with him. And three, today's your day to admit that to God and ask for his forgiveness. Is there anyone like that here today? Or today's your day to find new life with Jesus? Is there anyone like that here? Yeah, I see you where you are and someone's gonna pray with you at the end of the service. the best decision you could ever make. Is there anyone else where today's your day to say yes to Jesus? Just look at me and raise your hand. We're gonna pray with you as we close today. All right, I encourage you. The pressures are in place. God has a message for us. He's got buttons to unmute in our lives. I encourage you to take advantage of this today. Let's see a breakthrough. See what God wants to do in us. In Jesus' name, amen.